0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the program. It is episode 17. This is your host, Hopsy, baby boy. Strap it in, sit the fuck down, listen up. We have a huge episode today, folks. This might be the greatest podcast ever recorded. So shut up and listen for a second. I'm joking, folks. We have a huge one here today. It is Tuesday, just before 9 p.m., November 10th. Getting this one out a little bit later than previously promised, a little bit busy right now. The Sunday nights, I don't think that, that night just doesn't work. I, ma- I made that decision to start releasing it before I started this new job, before th- some. I realized that my schedule, it didn't work out the greatest. So I think Monday nights as a soft release plan is, is, is going to be much better, but honestly I think that this is going to be a weekly show, I promise you that. I am getting it together. I am not 100% on getting it out at the exact same time of the week so far, but that's coming, folks. I can guarantee you that's coming. All right? It's just me this week. We have a big show, a lot of things going on. All right? It's been it's been a wild week. I don't think you don't, you don't need me to tell you. Lots of craziness going on. I mean, it's been months since I've been in a bar. I, I mean, I haven't been in a bar, like in a nightclub setting, not a nightclub setting, I guess we'll call it, I mean, to go out, I mean, I've been, I go to bars all the time to have food, have a beer or two, but I mean, I really miss that, I mean, I guess I'm a, as a bartender, I miss that atmosphere a little bit, I miss that, I'm going to have someone come on the show soon, um, a, a restaurateur, if you will, and we're going to dive deep into some conversation about that, I mean, I do you know, that's, I think that's a, a topic that, who doesn't love to go out to eat, all right? So that'll be something that's going to be coming out soon. Look forward to that. It's going to be intuitive. It's going to be an unbelievable episode. Folks, I miss bartending though. Um, thought about this story because it just happened last summer. And I don't know how the hell it came across my mind. But uh, you ever get that feeling like, you know when you like see that huge 7 foot white guy walk in the bar. And he's got tats all over his neck. Probably some on his face. You're immediately like, yep, that guy's a biker. And that man is in a gang. And immediately what I start thinking about when I see this man enter an establishment, especially if I'm the bartender, which I was in this scenario that I'm talking about today, I think in my head, I'm like, is he alone? Is he in a pair? Or is he with a clique? Because they they come in all sorts. They come in all sorts, these people, all right? So you got to immediately find out if he's alone, if he's in a clique, or with a pair. Because those are the three options, all right. So immediately, I noticed that this gentleman walking into the establishment I worked at—he was—he um, was—he was by himself. Clearly, he was by himself. He approaches me directly at the bar. I'm at a bar which is kind of—I mean—I guess we'll not say separate from the others, but it was—I mean, I'm—I'm I'm the furthest. I'm on the edge there, my little station. You know what I mean? Like this guy could hang out at the corner of the bar and not be in like the middle of a bunch of people trying to order around him. You know, he could kind of be at the edge, and, you know, he could sneak in, grab a drink, but still maintain contact with me in conversation. So that's, you know, he's kind of, he, he kind of comes in and he just plugs himself into the weeds, gets a drink or two, doesn't say much at the beginning. But then, you know, he starts he starts firing up a little bit of conversation, he wants to get at it with me a little bit, he wants to get to know me, the bartender, who essentially is his only friend. I mean, me as a bartender, I, I don't know, I'm not great with names, but I, if I've seen your face, I guarantee you I probably remember the drink you've ordered if you've ever ordered one directly from me. So I mean like I feel like I have a good gauge on people that have been in the bar, certainly people that have ever been served by myself. So I immediately think to myself, I've never seen this guy before. There's zero chance this guy's from around here. There's zero chance this guy's been here before. He's by himself. He's just fucking around. So I sit there, I start chatting with him. Next thing you know, he goes straight to this one, which is honestly a barroom classic that you don't hear enough of. He goes, if I arm wrestle you and win, will you give me a free shot of tequila? And in my head, I'm like, um, you're asking me this for two reasons. There's one of two reasons. If you've ever seen a guy asked to arm wrestle someone at a bar, it's either because he's literally about to get his fucking arm broken off of his body and shoved up his ass, or... Or it's because this guy is no, there's no doubt in this guy's mind that he will not lose. And I mean, me looking at this, this guy was literally, he was six foot six. He had to have been 270. Like, I'm a big body. This guy made me look like a shrimp. Like, this guy made me look like a bitch. And so I'm looking at him like, well, I'm assuming it's not the first one. So, this guy's probably going to try to rip my arm off in front of the entire bar, but that's fine. So, I I can't bitch down. Like, a couple people beside me hear this go on. They hear the guy ask it. I mean, this guy's terrifying. Half the people in the bar are just watching him to make sure that this guy doesn't just go on, I guess, an an attack and just mow down half the bar with his fists because he could have, he could have, and it would have been no contest. So, anyways, he challenges me to this arm wrestle, and I'm like, I have to do it, basically. Like, in my eyes, I had to do it. So we gear up, and I'm like, "Well, maybe he's like, maybe I don't know what to expect. Like, I'm not going to not try here." So I gear right up, and he lets me go, and immediately he's just toying with me. He lets me get him right down, so it's like I'm about to win. I'm an inch off the bar. I'm hovering. I'm hovering. Like, and I'm pushing on. I'm like, anyone that's been in an arm wrestle and has had it go right down to the wire, that's the worst feeling, you know, when you got like your scalpula feels like it's getting ripped off. Like, he's holding it at the worst spot. And he was just making me look like an idiot. He's bouncing it, bouncing it. Sure enough, he just comes up like, I don't even know. He just literally just, when he wanted it, he just went like this, bam, done, over, contest done. Thought my arm was snapped, but no, he, he wins in a second. I obviously give him a shot at tequila, not barking up that tree. And, but I immediately knew that by doing this, this gesture of respect went a long way for the biker. I'm not going to identify the biker by the club he rolled with because, honestly, he never he never really mentioned it to me. It was, I think, I definitely know what he like. Not maybe not like I'm not a I'm not a biker by any means, but I feel like I'm I'm assuming I'm realizing who he was um, who he, who he was possibly a member of. He's he just started talking in a really weird way. I'd be like, yeah, my bike's packed. Uh, couple blocks up the road, but uh, I don't think anyone's going to fuck with it once they uh, once they see what club I roll with. I don't know what accent that was. That's certainly not the way he talked. He sounded like the singer from um, Five Finger Death Punch, Ivan Moody. He literally sounded like him speaking. I thought it was hilarious. I couldn't even, like, I wanted to laugh, talk to him. I was like, this guy is just a walking stereotype. This guy is just a painted picture with the brush, exactly what you'd think a biker would be. So I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued as shit. Like, I've... I want motor I like motorcycles. I don't have one. I used to think I would by this time of my life. I certainly don't. But I mean, I, I like Harleys. I like looking into that shit. Certainly know I can't afford one at the moment. But so I start asking him questions about bikes, you know. Just keep winning more and more into this guy's heart. Like I'm just like I just know exactly how to butter these people up. Like, come on. I'm just I'm just hitting them right down this lane. This guy's just loving it. I'm feeding him these And I started asking him about Harleys, telling him that I'm thinking more about a Honda. He tells me I'm a pussy for even thinking that. Yada, yada, yada. Next thing you know, he goes, hey, man, do you like weed? And I'm like, well, fuck, like, come on. Like, everyone likes weed. Like, of course I do. And then he starts going, you know anything about trimming? And, like, for some reason, like, I'm like, I felt like I was, like, hitting on this guy. Like, I'm trying to impress him. Like, I have, like, no reason to say this to this guy. I'm like, yes, man. Like, I am unbelievable at trimming. Like, they call me Johnny Trims. And he's like, oh, really? Like, we got a big operation going down in Huntsville. Like, you ever want to trim? Like, it's uh, 40 bucks a... Forty bucks a pound, and um, all you can have while you're there. You know, you can just uh, do whatever you want while you're there. You know, you can have as much as you need and uh, get you by. And um, and he starts telling me that you know, once you get really good at it, you can start trimming. Some guys can trim like two, three pounds an hour. So think about that. Forty times three in an hour, you can be making some serious coin. This guy's trying to butter me up, make me think it's a good idea. And in my head, I'm like, like that kind of sounds like a lot of money. But then in my head, I'm like that could also be a very bad idea. But then this guy's like right in front of me and he's like asking me if I'm like down to do this. And I'm like, ah, dude, I don't know. Why don't you give me your number? (laughs) So he gives me his fucking number. And for some reason I text it right away. And I'm like, hey, this is me. And I said my name because I'm an idiot. And he texts me literally, I think, uh, maybe a week or two later. He says, hey man, got some work for you down south. And I'm literally like, in my head, I'm like, um... No, like I've seen Sons of Anarchy. I've seen how this shit happens. Like I was in my head, I was like, I'm going to go down there thinking I'm going to get a, a some part-time work. And then next thing you know, I'm going to be riding around like, like half sack in, 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 in the SOA just flying around with a little prospect, a little coat, a little vest. And that'd be crazy. But I miss getting in altercations like that. Like not altercations, but incidents where you just like, talk about finding yourself somewhere where you, you didn't know, maybe didn't think, didn't expect This guy threw me for a loop. I thought for a second I was going to be in the Sons of Anarchy. I was going to be a Northern Charter, the Ontario Charter, NOA, Northern Ontario. What am I even saying? But folks, I miss the bars. Do you not miss the bars? I mean, I'm certain, like, like I've been going to a sit-down instance, but you know what? You miss that when you're just going, you're going for drinks, you're just going with the fellas, maybe you're going with the girls, maybe you're going with fellas and girls. You're getting wild, you're having a little soiree. You know, you're going out there, there's no food involved, everyone's just having a good time, cleaning glasses, to some tunes. I think we all missed that. I think we all missed that. It's coming back soon. We don't know when it's going to come back. But fuck, I, mean, I think in a way, things did go in a good step this week. I don't give a shit about politics. Folks, you know that this is not a political podcast. We say that every show. But the election is over in the United States of America. This is absolutely massive news just for us who just, we need it done. We need it to be over. A campaign in the States, for some reason, it takes like two years for them to get it on. Like, what a climax. We're done. Trump's out. Honestly, good riddance. Everyone has something to say about everything. I'm just sick of everyone talking about it. I'm really confused about what people are going to do now on social media. Like, so many advocates um, from our lives on social media are going to have nothing to do. Like, I honestly, in, in a sick way, I was saying this to people. I was like, I almost want Trump to win. Just so that we could see what if these people are just going to still be crazy for another four years on social media and just react to everything he says. Everyone's been a, a political uh, journalist basically through this entire time. Like, we have people like the day of it being like writing literal sponsors on social media with like paragraphs and posts being like, I just got to say that this election really strike." I'm like, what? bitch you're like lady you're from Leduc like you don't even live in the United States of America it does not affect you that much like I'm just so happy this is over I just wonder what what's everyone going to talk about now on social media a lot of political talk especially I say this again and again and again I cannot believe how many people in my age group feel the need to just like if you're not putting out what you feel is socially viable on social media or what like if you're not fighting for social causes through everything you do on social media th- then that's just not the tool that's that's you're missing you're missing it i guess but that's not the fucking case i promise that all this the project like essentially this is satire folks i cannot stress that enough i like doing this this shows we're gonna have a good time on here we're not gonna change the world we're going to change the podcast world, maybe have a good fucking show, but we're not going to, I hope you don't come to this show thinking that we're going to find the answers to all the world's problems. Cause this is certainly not where we come for that. And it's certainly not where you've been going to social media, Facebook for the last three fucking four, whoever knows now the last, whatever, this is just where we are at now. It's crazy what social media has done to people. The only good thing about this election though, folks, not the only good thing. There's numerous good things. It's over cannot wait but this is seriously something that I've just been thinking about a little bit something I've heard a couple other people touch on recently since the election the news of the results has come to fruition we might have a limelight of art here folks we might have a little bit of a window we might get some funny people back out there in the limelight we might have some comedy we might have some good movies come back out we might see some things that get to be, I mean, in the limelight without everyone just having to take social stances on everything. I mean, late night comedy, all these people that host all those shows, like, it's been nothing but them addressing uh, society, societal issues for everything. Literally, e- like, everything. Like, our com- we haven't had comedy in months. We haven't had, like, we haven't been able to laugh about anything. And I honestly think that Donald Trump being out of office, that polarization of everything is going to shift and I feel like people are going to be able to go back and be a little bit ridiculous, say some crazy shit and not everything's going to be attributed somehow back to Donald Trump being a crazy asshole. I think we're going to have a little bit of a window here where people can maybe focus on some other things and not worry about how how everything aligns politically through essentially anything you're doing. We have a window here, folks. It's going to be great. I hope um it's also going to be very great for, I think, Canada. Some people draw back the curtain a bit, be like, okay, let's stop focusing what's going on across the pond, across the fence there. We'll start looking at what's going on here in Canada. Let's start focusing on some shit here. Wouldn't that be a treat? Wouldn't, wouldn't we hope for that? I do truly hope for some big changes, though, in Canada and some big ones that could be addressed uh, very quickly and uh, hopefully sooner than later. I mean, we still hear all these tales about uh, the craziness of uh, Indigenous people going on without drinking water which is just fucking craziness to me. I mean, it's 2020. This is Canada. We're supposed to be a great country here. I think we should get the people some water who are living in our you know, next door to us. Maybe that maybe that should be a concern. I mean, maybe another concern would be maybe homelessness. I mean, homelessness in no, maybe even, even just northern Ontario. Think about that. If you think about that, a lot of people don't, a lot of people haven't been there. But what a fucking epidemic that is. We had uh, recently uh North Bay Sudbury, Sault Ste. Marie, Timmins, and um, maybe even Cochrane in there, signed like a pact where uh, they made a plea to the federal government requesting help, requesting um, some sort of an answer to uh, the epidemic, we'll call it, which is homelessness, uh, drug use, mental health issues. I mean, it, it is truly wild. Like uh, it, Living in these places too, I I, I wonder what happens because it gets so fucking cold up there in the winter. Like I wonder where all these people go because I, I don't even like living. I lived in North Bay for three summers, and <clears throat> they definitely got an issue going on with the downtown region in North Bay. Um, they have some sort of a methadone clinic down there, and I don't know is that where they can go. And I mean, these people are drug addicts. They need like you can't just. I mean, it's not as everyone just wants to say, just like cuff them and throw them in in, in jail. Like, it's not that easy. Like, you can't do that. That's not the answer. That's not why. That's not how this ends. I certainly don't know the answer. I certainly have witnessed some of the problem. And it's it's certainly there. Like, I'd be nothing like I'd be I'd be going to the bank and trying to deposit a check. It'd be like uh, I remember one time it was like uh, it was middle of the day. It was a weekday. It was middle of the day probably like a just after lunch it's like a 2 p.m sunny beautiful summer day and I'm, I'm walking across the street and I and I basically I just I just start hearing someone screaming like I'm gonna fuck you I'm gonna fuck you and I'm gonna fucking kill you ah, I'm gonna kill you I'm gonna get he starts screaming it just louder, and louder but he's I look over the guy's just running down the middle of the road with his arms above his head like he's a t-rex he was literally walking on the yellow line of. Main Street, downtown North Bay, with his arms, I thought—I think he thought he was a dinosaur or something. And he's just barking, you know, and he, and he wasn't looking at anyone, he was just staring straight ahead and did nothing. And he just went all the way up Main Street. No one even flinched, cars were just driving, no one even stopped to pull over, no one even said hello. No one even, con- not, not even a, I guess, a concerned plea. I mean, I didn't know what to do. I stood there and just watched and just displayed my jaw on the ground, and no one even did anything. People are just walking down the street, not even flinching. doesn't even get their attention. People are just continuing with their conversations. They didn't even see it happen. Like North Bay, uh, the same, North Bay on, uh, I'm not making, I'm not trying to shit on North Bay. I love North Bay. But I mean, this is an example of the kind of things going on. On Main Street, there was a shitty old motel. And I mean, how, how do you get rid of these things? I mean, there's someone that clearly owns it. And these tenants live there and these, you know, cheap and affordable housing. Like you can't get rid of that. People need to live in there. I mean, yeah, it's an eyesore, but you can't get rid of it. But this one that was on Main Street was turned into a chop shop, basically. A bicycle chop shop. They would just steal bikes and just bring it there. They'd cut them up and they'd like sell the like the steel, I guess, to get money. Like, I don't understand how much money. You couldn't be making much money from doing that. Or maybe they were just selling bikes. But like they would just keep getting caught stealing bikes over and over and over again. But just nothing can be done somehow. And I, I don't know if this is still going on. But I had a bike get stolen once. When I was uh, doing my old podcast. The, N- the Lake Show. What else do you want to know? When I was doing that. Um, one episode. Um, in the first year we did that. It was like May or something like that. I just got a bike like gifted to me. From my former boss Pete Patani. Shout out to Pete Patani. Gave me a bike literally. And it's my own fault. I brought it right up on my step on my, like, little porch area. Didn't lock it up. This is my fault. I was about to go right back out to the gym. I was running in to get a water bottle. I ended up running in, getting a call from my co-host for the podcast. So, I did not take my bike. So, I ended up doing my pod. Took me about two hours. And I came downstairs. And I just sat down on the couch. And I, like, had a panic attack. And I was like, fuck, I left my bike on the fucking... I left it on the... I left it on the freaking step, and I in my head I swore that I heard like just heard footsteps from my like roommate or someone coming up, but no one came in the house. So in my head I'm like, what the fuck if I just got robbed? So I go out there, bikes off the porch, and not only did the fucker steal my bike, he threw his shitty dump bike. His I will call it a dumpster bike. It this thing was ass. He just left that. He was riding his shitty bike, saw a better model up on the step. And just did the old swip and swap, left me with his fucking bones bike. I thought I heard him, so I hopped on his shit stick bike, and I just started pedaling around the neighborhood, thinking I was gonna find him. Hopefully, in finding him, I was just gonna try to kill him or something. Like I don't know what I would have done, but naturally, didn't find him, and I was crushed. I was crushed. I just got a bike, and th- and it was stolen from me. And then not only that, I left the guy's dumpster bike on the on the front lawn for three more days. Someone stole that fucking too. And after that happened, I took a great interest into uh, Neighborhood Watch. You know how there's all these, you ever want to talk about a cesspool, go on and log into one of these Neighborhood Watch Facebook groups from literally any neighborhood, any s- city ever, anywhere in Canada, anywhere in the world, type up Neighborhood Watch and then the city you're in, there'll be a hilarious page with, honestly, not the smartest investigators. I think we all know that, are president of that group, but anyways. A lot of hilarity was in there. And like, then you just see how many people are getting their shit broken into every second. Granted, like, I mean, some people are on there like complaining about like nothing. So, I mean, it seems like a saturated market of complaints, but a lot of people getting their shit broken into. And this isn't just a North Bay problem. I'm just addressing like like a, a lot of craziness has been going on and up in that region. COVID's obviously an issue, but I believe like opioids, like I think more people are dying up North. There has to be from that than covid like there's no way that that's not a bigger issue something really needs to change i mean everyone always says like oh, defund the police or or fucking take less of their budget and give it somewhere else and then everyone always says more mental health services more of this more of that i mean there's got to be an answer and it, it, it can't be just shipping these people away i mean i've heard a lot of rumors of people like this is also complete hearsay there's no investigation what i'm about to say But a lot of people have been saying that there are as as I make a claim and I go back to keep saying what I was going to say. I love that, anyways. um, Apparently, people just get if you're homeless, you can get a one way ticket to North Bay or towns like that. Like maybe from places like Toronto. I don't know where they're doing this, but apparently it's a thing. Like they load up buses of the homeless, cart them out of basically where they want them to be, and and just let them off and wherever. Somewhere else, basically, and this happens to be sometimes these northern towns. Because, like, I always wonder myself. I'm like, I don't, I'm like, I don't, I understand, you know, if you're homeless, you know, you can't travel and whatnot. But I'm always like, how did they end up in North Bay and like these cold highway towns, like, with not like, I guess maybe not as much opportunity as there would be in in this in more in a city and stuff like that. But I mean, there's going to be homeless people anywhere, but it's sad to see right now what the state of some places up there. And I mean. I'm talking from experience just seeing it in, in regions like Northern Ontario. I mean, I hope we can come to an answer for something like that in Canada because it's fucking crazy. Like, it, it really is. I mean, like, in the summer months, I can't, I can't, like, you've seen some wild shit. Like, if you're from one of those towns, like, you've seen someone smoke meth and basically blown it in your face and you have to, like, hold your breath and, and walk through it. That's probably happened to you or someone you know. And it happens on the daily in these places. I mean, you see the people picking up needles off the street, like it's scary. And I, I don't have. I, this isn't me addressing it to say that uh, I have some solution for it, but I mean, I think we got to have a conversation. I mean, I seen that North Bay has literally just uh, released a new police unit, and they're just going to be on foot, and they're going to try and just. Uh, they're not dealing with. I guess what was the term they used? It was a, they're not going to use with. They're not going to deal with existing problems that have already been addressed. They're simply going to be like reactionary and they're just going to cut around the town on foot. I believe in like a tandem of like, or I guess a group of four. And they're just going to like fly around and be like on like foot soldiers walking the beat essentially. So, I mean, it's good hearing programs like that. I mean, that's not going to be enough, but we can't, I just feel bad, like I seen a, a big article today, it was in on, in one of the newspapers up north, and it was about like, <clears throat> these people that are just like criminals that, you know, they're they're getting petty crimes for theft under a thousand bucks, and they just keep getting released, and then they just keep break, breaking into people's shit, they just keep being thieves, and they just not, they, they just don't learn their lesson, like it's it just sucks, I mean, I feel bad for people uh, in both instances, you know, I understand that some people don't have great lives, they gotta start stealing, and you know they go down the path they don't want to fucking go and, and it's an unfortunately a slippery slope but fuck like feel bad for people that too that are working hard and they're just getting their shit stolen from them so i mean i don't know what like wh- wh- what what do you even say like what's the answer to something like this like it's going to continue to happen but like i don't think like we just cannot have the homeless people like this in the street we can't let them just go out there and just keep harming themselves. Like that's not the answer. Just to just act like there aren't these problems out there. And I mean, I touched briefly on the indigenous water issue. Like I don't even know where to begin there. The fact that that's even a thing. I'd love to hear more research on that. Like what a, I lo- why why isn't more people talking about that? I just find that that's an absolute crazy topic that we don't even like. I don't know. We're we're so focused in this country on 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 I guess things that aren't even here. But I mean. This isn't uh, strictly a Canadian podcast. This is just a pod about uh, events that I'm, I guess, you know, deemed necessarily talk about. And I mean, me being a Canadian, I'm going to bring that shit up because it's a relative to where I am and it's relative to what I know. So, I mean, I mean, that's enough we can say about that. Um, I'm going to have some people definitely in the future that are from these regions in Northern Ontario. And I'd love to just talk more about, changes that have brought there and, and I guess essentially how these towns are transitioning into modern living we'll call it I guess I mean these I don't even know what you call them highway towns I like to call them highway towns and um, yeah it's a, we'll have some residents some of the guests I have planned to come on the show will be from these towns and we will get to learn more about that definitely a topic that I'm going to bring up to them folks it is remembrance day tomorrow which is always a big day a day i like to really take seriously i don't like to take anything seriously at all but what i definitely do take seriously is the remembrance of the fallen heroes who made the ultimate sacrifice to allow us to live the way we do today and honestly i mean we can say the world just fucked up as we want but it's been never it's never been a better time to be alive it's never been uh a, a a better time to chase your goals to have opportunities presented in front of you we are very very fortunate to live in the times we do where we do when we do and be able to you know not have to go like i mean just, the, just look back at like the lengths of these world wars for world war one world war two i mean we're complaining about coronavirus being a couple months like what world war Two going for six years like come on so Life isn't that bad. I always like to pay tribute to the people who make the ultimate sacrifice. That is the fallen. That is still the ones that are in the military today. The active duty members going to bring them up today. And I thought because it is Remembrance Day tomorrow and this episode is coming out basically. Not many of you will probably listen to it tonight. So if anyone's listening to it the day that this comes out, it will be Remembrance Day. So we'll call this a little Remembrance episode. But either or, I thought this was a cool little story about uh, Canada's most decorated war hero, a man who I was not very familiar with. It was getting close to Remembrance Day, and I randomly thought I should, I I don't know off the top of my head who's Canada's most decorated war hero. And I'm sure there is one, and of course there is, and I needed to look him up. And this is the perfect instance for you to hear a little bit of information. Now you can know this. Maybe you already did. That's good for you. You should know this stuff. Maybe this could be a little bar story, this could be a little something you could tell your parents tomorrow on the phone, All right, That's what we're doing here, alright? So, Canada's most, this is Canada's most decorated war hero, his name is William George Barker. Barker was born on November 3rd, 1894 in Dauphin, Manitoba, and as a boy he had an affinity for riding horses and shooting his service rifle, making it no surprise to friends and family, friends. And family, Jesus. When he enlisted with the first Canadian Mounted Rifles at the beginning of the First World War in 1914, by March 1916 he had realized that the trenches were not for him, and he transferred to the Number Nine Squadron of the Royal Flying Corps. He flew in a BE Two single-engine reconnaissance plane for the Number Nine, Number Four, and Number Fifteen squadrons. On November 15, 1916, Barker and his pilot spotted 4,000 German troops readying for an attack on the Beaumont Hamel, a village in northern France. He sent out an emergency call for all available artillery, and he effectively broke up the German's attack, and he was awarded the Military Cross for his actions. And then in 1918, Barker was awarded the Victoria Cross for his actions on November October 27, 1918, while he was flying in his sopwith snipe single-seat fighter plane at twenty-one thousand feet. It was in the Francis Forest of Mormal. He crossed enemy lines and he opened fire against 15 enemy aircraft. He shot down he was shot down three different times. He lost consciousness three different times in this fight, but he managed to keep control of his plane. He managed to shoot down three more people while he was getting absolutely lit up. And while he was bleeding, severely injured, I think he got his like elbow shot off. Like he was like a one-armed pilot. After this, he landed his plane in Allied territory. He was taken to hospital where he made a, a recovery, but in many ways was apparently never the same. Um, that was in that was in Mar- he was in the hospital, I guess, until March first of 1919, which would have been the end of his, I guess, flying days. Where he was a fighter pilot, but these were his stats from the First World War. and he's the most decorated fighter pilot or decorated soldier in the history of Canada. And these are only, these are just stats from the First World War. Barker served in the Royal Canadian Air Force from 1914 to 1919. He then did return from 22 to 26 but he is credited with 33 different aircraft destroyed, the highest for any pilot during the conflict in which he participated. He holds the record for fighting decorations awarded in the First War, including the Victoria Cross, which is the highest and most prestigious award of the British Honour System, which Canada also plays under for their military. 99 Canadians have been honoured with the Victoria Cross, dating back to 1857. But he also, in this First World War, he, he got the Distinguished Service Order in bar. He got the Military Cross in two bars. He was mentioned in dispatches three different times. France's Croix de Guerre, which is awarded to Allied soldiers. I believe it's a, it's a big award up there for the French army. And he also got two Italian silver medals for military valor. Very impressive for the young man. So, I mean, obviously this is a long time ago. I had never heard about him, but this is cool. This is the most decorated war hero in the history of Canada. Um, After he left the uh, Air Force the first time, him and Billy Bishop, who's another legendary aviator for Canada, lots of public places named after him. Definitely a more notable name for a lot of people, but I think that is because of all the landmarks in his name. But I guess this William George Barker himself was basically a probably, I think he was bigger at the time, he was more well-known, but he ended up dying in 1930, unfortunately, and he died in a plane crash when he was performing a demonstration flight for the Air Force, and he lost control of his plane, and he was only 35 years old, which is very, very sad. Um, Apparently, him and Billy Bishop had started their own airline in 1922 when they were both on a little bit of a hiatus from uh, military duty. Um, I don't think the... It didn't do as well as they had planned, but in 1921, William George, our boy, Mr. Barker, he was the very first person ever to fly commercial cargo between the U.S. and Canada, and that happened in January of 1921 on a flight from New York City to Toronto. Isn't that crazy that not even 100 years ago, or I guess it is, you can look at it both ways. It's crazy that 100 years ago, planes were flying around, but it's also crazy that only a hundred years ago the very first time that had ever happened was less than 100 years ago that's a that's a crazy stat to think about how far we've come we weren't even flying cargo a hundred years ago and now we are doing God knows what and where it's crazy but this is a cool fact about Barker showing his popularity in the day when he died in 1930. His funeral was attended by 2,000 soldiers and the largest national state event ever in Toronto's history at the time, where 50,000 people lined up the streets of the cemetery, the Mount Pleasant Cemetery, that huge one that is in uh, Toronto there, and that was where he was laid to rest. Um, crazy story about a, a very impressive young man. He was also uh, briefly the president. He was the first president of the Toronto Maple Leafs con Smythe was a former military pilot himself and yeah he became the uh where does it say that he was the president though it, it doesn't say much about it so i wonder like if it was something weird happened but the very cool story about a very cool canadian folk hero that needs some limelight i mean pay, pay your respects to our fallen pay your respects to our military personnel those people uh they definitely need it, and that's that's definitely not going to change anytime soon. Wear your poppies too, all right? Should be no excuse not to be wearing those. Um, I can never get mine to stay on, but you got to keep going. You got to keep going. Donate a little bit to the Legion. These are all good people. These are people that uh, the project stands with. The project stands behind. Always, always, folks. Not going to go too much longer here, but I have to address something as well. Last week we addressed the the Ontario Hockey League is uh, apparently being told by uh, administration to not have any contact in their season. But what I did not know is that not only did the OJHL this week announce there will be no contact, but like no junior leagues in the area, junior B, junior C, nothing. They're not doing contact, any of them. It's sad. It's crazy. I mean, in a lot of ways, I think they should just cancel the season. That just sounds absolutely crazy. But I laughed right after the OJ announced that they were not doing contact either, which was no surprise. I mean, if the OHL isn't, I mean, no one else is, but yada, yada, yada. I see some guy does like the lacrosse goal, like the Michigan, you know, what Sebatchnikov did last year, you know, you do like you pick up the puck behind the net and you wrap it in. So some guy did that in the OJ a couple days ago, and like the NHL was tweeting it, like a bunch of people were tweeting it, it was going viral. And I was like, well, you can't fucking hit him. Like there's no hitting in this league. Like why don't we just like literally throw up a highlight of like someone skating around like men's league and doing that because that's what we're watching right now. Like they were celebrating. I'm like, well, what what are we gonna do? Like you can't hit them, you can't slash them, you can't do anything because you just can't touch them. Like could you imagine playing hockey this year? That's horrific. It must be a horrific experience. I feel bad for these kids. I mean. I don't know what's like in a lot of leagues, but I was talking to a guy I was playing with in Beer League the other night and he's he's only 20 right now. He's playing junior C or something, but they're giving him an extra year of of junior because of all this COVID madness. I mean, good thing. Why can't they just do that in a way and just like cancel the year and we'll just have good practices because honest to god, who benefits from from that? And the fact that I don't think a lot of people realize that like Junior hockey has immensely changed in the last ten years. Whereas, like when I played, even my last year of junior was 2014, 2015, we were like getting paid. We would get paid weekly. Now teams are charging thousands and thousands of dollars to to play junior hockey. And now I know where I played at that point of time was was unique in getting paid, but you certainly didn't have to pay a cent to play anywhere. And now I think like even leagues like the BCHL, I believe, don't quote me, this isn't 100%, I'm pretty sure that they're charging a fee of some sort to play junior hockey. So could you imagine playing these thousands of dollars to just wear a uniform to play for a team that no one can go watch in the stands? And, And how are they making money now? How do these junior teams make money? Do they still make money? or as I, I'm assuming that they're having to, like, it started in Ontario, I remember, because when I was playing Junior A, we got a butt-ton of players, some good players too, that were essentially like, fuck you, like, I'm not paying six grand to play Junior Hockey for you. Trade me, or I won't pay for it, all right? Like, that's just foolish. No one should pay that much to play Junior Hockey, but sadly, I just think that's just the times we're in. That shit ain't gonna change. I mean, it's really sad, it's really crazy, but... I mean, just to ask that with all this COVID nonsense going on, it's hilarious. Like, at the point of, I mean, we can say whatever we want about the contact, but, I mean, what if you by accident run into someone? Then what What have you accomplished at that point? You Like, the contact, the body contact didn't come into play. Like, just, like, just putting people in the same area, that's going to, like, contact sport or not. Like, you're not going to be able to social distance. You're not going to be, like, you're jumping through hoops to say that, What you're doing is like somehow stopping the spread of COVID. Like it's the same thing right now. I'm sure anyone who's playing any sort of hockey, beer league, any getting any sort of skates in right now, you're either getting dressed at home. You're not allowed to shower, but you're still going on the ice, sitting there. Like one, I went and played hockey the other day in a town nearby, and they didn't let us get dressed. We were getting half dressed, but then they let you into the dressing room to get your skates on your top half. But then we literally just like no different than any other time. You just get half dressed, go sit in this room right next to everyone else like you would be, but you only have to put on half your gear instead of all of it. And then you go out there and play hockey and like, yeah, there's no spitting and stuff. But like guys still spit to a degree like it's hockey. Guys are going to be spitting on the ice and stuff without even thinking about it. So like that stuff's still gonna happen. Like we're jumping through hoops to act like we're doing something to fight this virus. I don't think that the hockey arena is the number one spreader of coronavirus. I mean, I'm not saying it isn't either, but you know, I mean, I'm saying that that spread's still possible. But like, come on, like what are we doing? The amount of I just like I have no problem with us trying to put in policies to you know protect ourselves from this virus hundred percent. But, like, when we're just jumping through hoops to act like we're doing things so we can say that, oh, if something goes wrong, like, well, there were precautions in place. I think that's just fucking stupid. It really is. But, I mean, like, it's parts of, like, wear your mask, do all that stuff. But, like, when we're doing, like, like no showering after hockey when I just went out there and played with the same amount of guys for 60 minutes, like, bumping into the corner. Like, I don't think that... That's not stopping anything. That's not making anyone's life easier. That's just making the people that work at the rink have to police more things, make their lives worse. Like I mean, at the end of the day, like if you're really worried about COVID nineteen, you shouldn't be out of the house. You shouldn't be playing hockey. If you're out playing hockey, you should be a hel- You should be healthy. You should not be sick, and it shouldn't really be that big of a worry. And I understand that we don't understand how this thing spreads, and I understand that Ontario and a bunch of other provinces just had a bunch of. COVID cases that are getting worse by the day. But I don't know. We have to go back to some sort of normality. And I don't want to get on a rant about fucking ice times, but like, I just, there's nothing worse right now than the guy who has to be a hero to like enforce mask rules because some dickhead just is giving him a hard time for doing a job that he doesn't want to do in the first place. All right. Let's not be those people, folks. All right. Next episode, I'm going to try to get a guest. I've been in the works of something here um again i'm sorry for getting this one out a little bit late but the show is just growing folks i'm not going anywhere i'm just getting to get i'm getting better all right um got a little bit more free time on me you know the hot dog stand has come to a tumultuous end uh unfortunately i had to put the i had to foreclose the business this past weekend uh was my last kick at it for the year i'm really hoping that i could get some sort of a project uh buzzing like that in the future I've, I want to get a legit one. I want to and this just proved to me that it, uh it, it it is fun. It definitely works. Uh, I had a great spot. I had a great summer, but it's getting colder. I mean, people aren't in the mood for a mouthful of meat, you know what I mean? Like people love getting mouthfuls of meat for sure, but they're not as in in big of a you know mind for that mouthful right now, if you will. Do you know what I mean by mind the mouthful? So I'll stop it. I'm going to come back. I'll be a better griller. I mean, do, do you think you know someone that grilled more hot dogs, hamburgers, and sausages than me this summer? I'd love to fucking shake their hand because they're certainly probably pretty seasoned themselves. Not as seasoned as I am on that grill. I had a grill that I don't think I even like brushed off with a scraper once. It had so much flavor sunk into that thing. It was honestly so impressive. You would literally strike a match near that thing, and you could smell that thing a country mile away. And you'd be like, "What's cooking? What's cooking? Good looking." I'm gonna have to do. I'm gonna have to do a big breakdown of the hog stand. I'll do that next episode. Cause cripes, folks. Like, it, I'm not gonna go on it. It's been 40 minutes here. I like doing these ones alone. And I said again, if I have a guest come on, it's gonna be because I know that they're gonna give something to you, the viewer. All right, folks. Guarantee you that talk to you soon. I love you all. I love doing this show and it's just going to keep getting better and better folks. Thank you for joining me. This is episode 17. This is the project. This is your host. This is me. Opsy baby boys signing off. Talk to you soon.